1: they're not going to heaven. Surely they're not going to make it. Well, according to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, he says, creation screams of God. I'm paraphrasing. Creation screams of God, the invisible creator. And as they looked at creation, they're going to go, wow, there's got to be someone greater. There's got to be a creator. And as they draw close to the creator, what does he do? Shows them Christ.
0: How will those who have had access to a Bible or learned about Jesus enter into heaven? Today, Pastor Dave shares how all of creation points to a creator. Therefore, the Lord can choose to remove the scales from unbelieving eyes. He can reveal himself to those without traditional access to the Christian faith, to know of his love. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 10, as he continues his message, the Son of God. You are sure.
1: Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in. Jesus is always knocking at the door of your life, always knocking at the door of your heart. Let him in today. Let him in today. Let him in right now. Let him in right now and have all of you. Give him all your heart because that's what he wants. Didn't he give all for you? So why wouldn't we give it all back? Why wouldn't we say, here, Lord, it's all yours. I don't want it. It's yours. I can't do it. Oh, how thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus never gave up on me. Oh, my. In the midst of my sin, when I was running from him, he offered me his love and his grace. In the midst of my sin. In the midst of these guys' sin of unbelief, Jesus was offering them love and grace and mercy. He knew what was going to happen. He knew they would win out eventually. He knew he would go to that cross. But he's still offering them. It was clear that these religious leaders just wanted to win the argument. But they knew they weren't going to win. All they could do was point to Jesus, his words or his his works, How can we prove he's the Messiah? He's not showing us anything. Let's stone him to death. Yeah, let's get him. Jesus says, for which of my works do you want to stone me? Look at 32 and 33. Jesus answered them, many good works I've shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered, saying to him, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy and because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus had already told them in chapter 5 that the works he did were done in coordination and at the direction of the Father. These were acts of obedience to the Father, and they were all blessings to men. Name a time in all of Jesus' life where he did a work that was not beneficial to man. You can't. Giving people sight, letting people hear, raising the dead. So on and so on. Everything Jesus did, he did as a blessing to man. Not one thing did he do to say, aha, caught you. He never did that. He never did that. Yes, thank you, Lord, is right. So he said, okay, uh, let's see. Is it for the lame man at the pool of Bethesda? No, 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 wait a minute. Is it it for the blind man? Wait a minute. Is it for, you know? No no they thought they had him listen to their answer not for a good work but because you made yourself god why was this so important well it's called blasphemy it's called blasphemy and in the jewish law when you spoke the words that jesus spoke when you made yourself equal with god when you called yourself god that was blasphemy because you were a man the punishment for blasphemy death period interesting Interesting, though, thought, think of this. They said that you, being a man, make yourself God. <laughs> Jesus didn't have to make himself God. He was God. <laughs> he didn't have to make himself God. He was already God. There was no making about it. Though they had that part wrong. He was already there. He was just showing these men who he really was. But they didn't want it. They didn't want the truth. If their hearts were truly open, they would have believed by now. They would have believed by now. Jesus refutes their accusation by using their scriptures. And I love this about Jesus. He does this a lot. Look at 34 through 36. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? Now think about this. Jesus is in the temple now. Remember, we read that back in previous verses. He's in the temple. And all these guys come up to him and they hemmed him in. Remember, they surrounded him and they're all standing there. And Jesus is saying these things, I am the Father of one. And he's sitting there watching them, and as they stand down there in the temple court, they all pick up stones. They're all standing around him like this. they got these great big stones in their hand. This was a very intimidating time for anyone else, <laughs> but not for Jesus. Not for Jesus. It wasn't very intimidating for him. I mean... They were ready to throw stones at him, and he didn't care. He never backed down. He never attempted to run away. He didn't even flinch. He came right at them, and he came at them through the word and the power that lies within it. Remember that. Just like he did Satan when he was tempted into wilderness. He came at Satan with the word of God. It is written. Oh, look at the first word. Look at the first words here. Is it not written? The same thing. Is it not written? He's saying, listen, guys, this is your law. This is your law. You have it. God gave it to you. Is it not written in your law that it says this? He comes right at him. Now, the picture here is Psalm 82. And it's Psalm 82, verse 6. And that says, in Psalm 82, verse 6, it says this. I said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. So what's he saying here? Well, according to the text in which it's written, remember, context, 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 it was where God has assembled judges on earth, and he wants to warn them that one day they too will be judged. And the Hebrew word used here for God or gods or judges is Elohim, Elohim. You can look at Exodus 21, 6, and Exodus 22, verses 8 and 9. Interesting. You've probably heard of the word Elohim before. It's the fourth word of the Bible. It's the fourth word of the Bible, Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God. Elohim. Elohim. It's a plural word used in a singular form already talking about the Trinity in the fourth word of the Bible, already talking about the Trinity in the fourth word of the Bible, in the beginning, Elohim. And the Jewish rulers didn't didn't go by them. They knew what was going on. They knew that Jesus was speaking truth. If God called human judges gods, then why should these religious men stone Jesus? Because he said the same title for himself. And then I call it the kicker. It's almost as if Jesus had this in the back of his pocket and he was waiting, you know? He was waiting for this one. Here it comes. Verse 36b, I am the Son of God. Wow. That's the boldest I am statement to date. That's the boldest I am statement to date. I am the Son of God. Their mouths must have dropped open. They couldn't believe what he was saying, what he was declaring But there were no more questions. There didn't need to be because he answered them pretty clearly. He answered them pretty clearly. This was extremely crucial because this is an affirmation again of his deity. Look at the words in verse 36. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified? What does sanctified mean? Set apart. The Father set apart and sent him into the world. He was set apart and sent into the world. He told them time and time and time again that he was sent by the Father. So the Father sanctified him, set him apart, and sent him into the world, and then he says, proclaims that I am the Son of God. They got their answer, and it was bold and plain enough, but they did not believe. Jesus told them the truth. I am the Son of God. I am the Son of God. Now, I need to take an aside here because there's something interesting in verse 35. There's something interesting in verse 35 that says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken. That little scripture cannot be broken right there. This is a general rule of scripture. But Jesus applied it here to a fairly obscure passage where the essential point rested on one word that God used to refer to human beings. What did this tell us? This tells me that every single word in the word of God has meaning. Every single word has been placed there for a specific purpose. There are no errors. There are no contradictions. It is infallible, and it's God's word. And we like to call it God breathed on those pages, and it came alive. It cannot be broken. Listen to what Gusick said about this, quote, It's a remarkable demonstration that specific words of Scripture are inspired, not only the broad themes and ideas, the whole word, word for word, which is one of the reasons here at Calvary Chapel we place such a great emphasis on the Word of God. Line by line, verse upon verse, precept upon precept, so that you can receive the entire counsel of God the entire council, what God is saying. When we get to a point, we'll talk about it. If it's not in the Scriptures we're talking about today, we usually don't talk about it. It's line by line so that we can know God better, so we can draw closer to God better, so we can understand Him better, and what He wants us for us, and what He wants us to do, what He would have us do. There's not one word in here that's misplaced. Not one. And we believe that. Hence, in 2 Timothy 3.15, all Scripture is given and inspired of God. Every word. He actually is the author of the book, the whole book, Genesis to Revelation. Yes, men penned it. Yes, they did. But they were inspired by His Spirit to do so. Inspired by His Spirit. Jesus turns around and gives them another opportunity to believe. He gives them another opportunity to believe. Look at 37 and 38. If I do not do the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. These men could have believed. They had all the evidence. They had all the evidence. They had Jesus' works, which were backed up by Jesus' words. His works and his words match. So many times we go out and we profess to be Christians and people see our life and go, wait a minute, you call yourself a Christian? Look at the way you're living. Oh my gosh, see our words and our our works don't match. Jesus' words match his works perfectly. Perfectly. They had all the evidence they needed. All the evidence was right there in front of them. All they had to look at it, honestly assess it, and they could have believed. He said, believe the work I do. In other words, believe the miracles. Believe that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. If I don't do those things, don't believe. If they would just believe, he says, in the miracles. Why is that important for them to believe in the miracles? It's important for them to believe in the miracles because believing in the miracles, believing that God did the miracles, God then could draw them closer to God and then God would reveal who to them? Jesus. Jesus. And that's what God does. that's what God does. All they had to do was examine the evidence and then honestly and willingly accept the truth. But they couldn't. They wouldn't. Instead, they wanted to arrest him. Now, this is interesting. This is interesting that that he wanted them to believe the miracles. Jesus said, believe the miracles, because he knew the miracles would draw them to God. You know, many times we're, we're asked questions like, what about the people over in deepest, darkest Africa who never heard of Jesus and who, who, who never who never had a, a gospel message? And what about them? Surely they're not going to heaven. Surely they're not going to make it. Well, according to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, he says, creation screams of God. I'm paraphrasing. Creation screams of God, the invisible creator. And as they looked at creation, They're going to go, wow, there's got to be someone greater. There's got to be a creator. And as they draw close to the creator, what does he do? Shows them Christ. That's what Paul says in Romans 1. Go back and read it for yourselves. He says those various things. Look at verse 20 in Romans 1. He says that. So that there was no excuse. There is absolutely no excuse. This is what one commentator said, quote, The universal character of this revelation and the clarity of it leave man without excuse for rejecting it. Man cannot charge God with hiding himself from them and thus excuse their religion and their immorality. I didn't know because God hid it. Excuse me? You ever see a sunset? Oh, isn't that beautiful? Do you believe in a creator? Oh, yeah, I do. Well... These religious men had no excuse either. Jesus didn't hide who he was and who he is. They saw Jesus' works. They heard Jesus' works, and they should have looked at the evidence they needed and glorified God, but they refused. And some of us in here, some of us in here have seen Jesus' works. We've had healings in here. We've had lives changed in this room. We've seen people come to the knowledge of Christ and their lives have been changed. There is evidence right here in this room. There is no excuse. Believe what you see. When you see a healing, when somebody's life has changed, you believe it. And as you believe that God did it, he draws you closer and Christ is revealed. Christ is revealed in our lives. This happens to us. I've seen it happen to you in your lives. How someone's healing, you go, wow! And it draws you closer when you see that. You're so excited when you see a healing, and and it gives you encouragement and it gives you more faith. And your faith is built upon faith, and you believe all the harder. Wow! If God can do it for that person, maybe God can do it for me. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is telling these guys, listen, believe the miracles. You've seen the miracles. The lame walk. The blind see. The dead are raised. What more do you want? I'm doing these works. Who does this kind of work? Who who does these things? At least believe those. And then as you're believing those, my words will start to ring true. And you'll go, wait a minute. Jesus, work." oh, yeah. And God will reveal it to you. We need to do the same thing, folks. We need to do the same thing. We need to let God reveal those things to us and draw us closer to Jesus Christ. Draws closer to Jesus Christ. Verse 39 says, therefore, what do you mean therefore? Because of everything else that just happened, because of this great big argument that they had. Their ears are still closed. It's as if when Jesus is speaking, they're going, da, 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 da. They're not listening. They're not putting the two together. Therefore, because of that, they sought again to seize him. Let's get him. He's right here in their midst. Now, he's standing in the midst of these guys. How he got away is miraculous because they're circling him up. They want to seize him. It's like, where did he go? But it says he got away. Well, why? Because his time had not come. His hour had not come. So he did get away. And this time, he goes far away. Verse 40, and he went away again beyond the Jordan, to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Jesus now will not return to Jerusalem until the appointed day. Jesus will not return to Jerusalem until the appointed day. The the appointed day was decreed 483 years ago, before Jesus, it was decreed when Artaxerxes signed the letter giving Nehemiah to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That's what it was. When Artaxerxes signed that letter, the countdown started until the Messiah comes. Read Daniel. Read Daniel. Until the Messiah comes, the clock started ticking. And 483 years later to the very day, Jesus now comes, and he gets on a donkey, and he rides into Jerusalem. We call it Palm Sunday. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. And then Daniel says, after that, the Messiah is cut off. Crucifixion. Crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension. The Messiah is cut off, and we're still waiting for that 70th year, that last year to take place. We're still waiting for that last seven years to take place called the Great Tribulation. That has yet to happen. Jesus will not return to Jerusalem until that Passover time. He will not return because he knows exactly when the Father is sending him. The Jews tried to get him, but he left. He goes back across the Jordan to where John was baptizing in the early days. And the next couple of scriptures now start to give us a gleaming glimmer of hope. Yes, all these religious leaders, all these guys with the great top fish hats didn't believe. All these guys with the phylacteries on their on their arms and all these guys, with, they didn't believe. All their regalia and all their, they didn't believe. But Jesus goes back across the Jordan to where John was baptizing. And listen to what it says in 41. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. Wow. John's dead, by the way. John has been killed by this time. He is no longer alive. John is dead. But his witness remains. John's witness remained. What did John say about Jesus? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's going to come after me, but he actually came before me. I can't even tie his shoelaces. I'm not worthy enough. He must increase, I must decrease. I must decrease, he must increase. Who was John? John was the greatest prophet out of Jesus' mouth. Jesus said, John is the greatest prophet, greater than all. Why? Because when he saw Jesus, he pointed to him and said, that's him. But Jesus also said something incredible after that. Those of you who are least in the kingdom are greater than John. Wow. Those of you who are least in the kingdom are greater than John. Wow. So sometimes, you know, we think we're nothing. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God for your nothingness because Jesus thinks you're everything. Those who are least in the kingdom are greater than John. John was a voice crying out in the wilderness. What did he cry out? Make the path straight for the Lord. Repent for your kingdom. The Lord's kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One of the first words that Jesus said on the scene. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist. John the Baptist is dead, but his witness is bearing fruit. His witness is still bearing fruit, and it's incredible. You know what? Reading this, studying this, his witness is bearing fruit today. It's still bearing fruit, his witness. Many people are trusting in the Lord. They're trusting in the Lord, and they're simply, the witness is bearing fruit. They remember everything that John said about this man is true, and they believe. John wasn't a miracle worker. He wasn't a great evangelist. He's a guy in a hairy coat that ate honey and locusts. You are sure
0: hope. Our time with you is coming to an end today on A sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at ashorehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.